Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. The only thing I'm going to need from you guys right now is a cup of coffee. Today's global economy waits for no man. America. Today's global business climate is like, whatever, dude. Politics is a dirty game. I'm not sure we want to play. There are forces here at work that you couldn't possibly understand. You have no idea how high up this goes. Welcome to Wiggins America. These notes are marked return to sender. I'll save this letter for myself. I wish you only knew good it is to see you. Wiggins America. I've been touting this interview because I love talking to Trent Luce. I'm glad that he's here. So Trent is the original farm-to-table man, in my opinion. He is a sixth-generation rancher, and he knows all things going on in this area of the country, especially as far as farms and ranches go. Trent, thank you so much for being here today. Hey, Ryan. That, that little segment about uh, women not belonging in the newsroom, that'll get you in trouble in 2021. Way hey, to go. I, 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 didn't play, I didn't make that. That is Annie Fry herself who made that about <laughs> Annie Fry. So she can get away with it. I wouldn't do it, although I have said yeah. it before. Um, let, me, let me start with this because we talked to you probably a couple months ago over the summer, and the number one issue that we discussed then was China buying up both land in the United States and, you know, uh, animals, basically, and produce. Where do we stand with that as of today compared to the summer? Well, it's an interesting week to ask that question because we have a infrastructure problem on fuel. Since January the 21st, we've had a concerted effort to cripple our ability to produce our own fuel supply. And for people that don't know, in 2017, we became oil independent. We were exporting oil to other countries. That's how much of development and how much we had built the infrastructure. So we shut down several pipelines. In fact, in your area, the STL pipeline was a, a subject of a lawsuit verdict, I believe, on last week, the 18th, although come to think of it, I don't know how that turned out, but 1.7 million homes mm-hmm. were at risk of losing their natural gas for their supply. And as we continue to cripple and shut down the infrastructure of the United States, our, our, our own oil production, we asked China 
on Friday if they would release some oil reserves. And so I don't, none of that makes any sense. And so I went to digging, and three of the largest oil companies in the world, unbelievably, are from China. Their office is in Beijing. The interesting part of that is that they do not have oil production in China. Their oil comes from the United States. So, and all of that is tied into agriculture because, Ryan, we tend to forget that one gallon of diesel fuel replaces 500 man hours of labor in food production. So if we don't have access to uh, fuel for food production, we will have a very hard time finding food production because unless people are ready to grab a hoe and go back to hoeing a row, it's going to be really tough to come by that fuel. And we also see something else that people don't realize is tied in food production to energy and oil is that over half of the fertilizer needs that are applied to farms all across this country come from natural gas. Two weeks ago, Russia announced that they were going to reduce their number, our number one natural gas importer. They're going to reduce their fertilizer importation to the United States by 40%. So farmers are reaping one of the best harvests, harvests they've ever had in 2021 and don't have a clue what's going to happen in 2022 because they don't know if they can afford seed, they don't know if they can afford fertilizer, and most importantly, they don't know if they're going to have fuel to run the tractors to produce the food. So we're in a very precarious situation. That's that's interesting because we tend to, when we talk about inflation, categorize it into things like food and like energy, but you're saying that it's actually the cost of energy that's causing the inflation in food. That's correct. And then this week, I think it was yesterday maybe, we saw another announcement from the White House that they were going to demand and mandate that all truckers be jabbed. Yeah. Well, your food travels via a truck to get from the farm to the factory to the retail store where you buy it. If there are no trucks, we already have. I have one friend I did a program with last week. He owns 11 trucks. They are not moving because he can't find a driver before this mandatory jab was going into play. So all of it around revolves around food and energy, and our infrastructure is in big trouble right now. Trent, you're you're very close, you, you know, to all of this. Your boots on the ground kind of guy. It's one of the reasons I love having you on. When you when we talk about a worker shortage, is that particular to certain in- industries like you know we see fast food a lot, but also to truck drivers, to infrastructure, to you know people who are moving these things? Is it particular to those industries? Because I've been looking into this issue. And it looks like unemployment has dropped, not back to where it was under Trump, but it's getting better. But it, we still we still see all these industries having trouble finding people to work. I think the unemployment numbers look favorable because we have a record number of people that have stopped looking for a job. Mm, good point. The unemployment numbers are only people that are actually looking for employment. And I, I've actually, Ryan, I've spoken to audiences in 41 states since May the 1st. And so I've been in every part of this, every corner of this nation, and there is one common denominator no matter where you're located, in Nevada, Florida, or Massachusetts, that cannot find people to work. It is a massive problem. Why do you think that is? I mean, that's a, that's a blunt question, but what do you think is at the source of people not going back to work? I think the divisionary tactics which are taking place, I get three to four phone calls a day from people in the health field that are not going to comply and take this mandatory jab. So they're, they're willing to walk away because they're, they feel that their health is threatened. 
Uh, we have people that have been paid not to work. We have, we're putting $1.7 trillion that we don't have into the economy to pay people to do nothing. And now we're talking about another $3 trillion. Uh, but I, I really think it just comes back to we've lost the work ethic and we have created such a division that people don't know who to trust and where to even go get factual information anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking, I'll give you one example that I think is just classic in my world. Ryan, I have a friend in Nevada. His name is Hank Vogler. He runs 10,000 sheep on federal lands. And they've been attempting to chase people from federal lands, just like they're attempting to chase people off of private property. It's all about a land grab. And I can walk you through every step of that. But from a labor standpoint, Hank Vogler had 24 H-2A workers. He follows the government program. He brings legal workers in here. He spends about $4,000 to acquire one worker from Peru or Mexico. He currently has 13. He's struggling in getting enough people to tend to the sheep, going into winter to haul water and do all of the things that they need to do. And they continue. The Department of Labor harasses him daily about what he's not doing for his employees that he has. And he can't get the ones he gets. If he hasn't had them for a period of time, they come to this country, then they go off illegal out into the field and seek other employment. We just do not have the work ethic in the United States that we should have to maintain it and what built this country to be the great resource-producing nation we are. Trent Luce is on the phone with a sixth-generation rancher and friend of the show. Uh, Let me ask you this. The uh, Department of Labor that you just mentioned, were they harassing people like this under Trump as well? Is this the deep state in action, basically, or is this deliberate by this administration? No, that that this one cannot be tied to this administration. That harassment of employers has been taking place as long as I've been around. It has accelerated, but we have the same bureaucrat. It is the deep state. And, and what's really frustrating about it right now is that we're incentivizing and we are paying people to illegally come in this country. And here's a guy in Nevada, and this is just one example, because there's people in every state doing this, using H-2A program, trying to find workers, trying to get people to harvest crops in California, whatever the case may be. We're paying people to come across the border illegally from the south, and while people are hiring legal immigrants to work in their, their operation and their business, they're being harassed out of business. What about this makes sense? Yeah, and Trent, let me because I want to get to this topic before we run out of time here. Let's talk about China real quick. Last time I talked to you, you had said that they were buying up land as quick as they could. Now, Texas Governor Greg Abbott at the time, this was a couple months ago, was attempting to put the kibosh on that, and maybe some other governors were just starting to look at it. Do you have any updates on that particular issue? Well, in my country, in my world, being not just Nebraska, but the, the rural part of the country, we we have people, I've never watched one of these, but the Yellowstone series, have you watched that, Ryan, on, I don't even know what outlet airs it? Oh, my wife it's tried like, to watch it, and she said she was bored, so I, I didn't. <laughs> man, she must be hard to please. You're doing well. <laughs> so, uh, so beyond all of that, you know, it's kind of captured because it, it talks about ranching, and I've not watched it because I saw some things that were that were happening there that concerned me. And you're wondering, why am I talking about a TV production when you ask me a question about China? Well, the, t- the producer, the creator of that program is a guy named Thomas Toll, who is a Wall Street investor who in, in 2015 struck a deal with a billionaire in China whose name is Wang, 
and they control 85% of the theater, the movie theaters in this country. They own AMC. They control the production in Hollywood. And now all of a sudden we hear that this group is buying every Western. They bought the biggest horse ranch in the United States three weeks ago, the, the four sixes in Texas. They continue to acquire property and real estate and if you really think about what Hollywood's been doing and the message that they've been portraying, and now you learn that 80,000 theaters in this country are owned by AMC, owned by the billionaires of China, it's pretty easy to connect the dots and see that this is a, a complete takeover of our culture and our property and our assets. Incredible. Gosh, every time I talk to you, you drop these bombs, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I had never heard that China owned that many movie theaters. I guess, in a sense, it's better that they own the movie theaters that nobody's going to after COVID than owning the actual production companies. But they they have so much influence over Hollywood productions now, too, that it doesn't even matter. I mean, they, everybody's part of the Chinese dollars at this point. Well, actually, I was in a movie and was helped, helped write a movie. You can watch it on Netflix. It's called The Stand at Paxton County. There was zero Chinese influence, but I did de develop some friends in Hollywood as a result of this. And they said they've never seen anything like it. 30, 40-year veterans, like Christopher McDonald was in my movie with me. You know, he still does Happy Gilmore or, or uh, Shooter McGavin programs all around the country. That was 1981 that movie was on. But it, all of those veterans in Hollywood say they've never seen a time when the money would influence what happens like it's been happening with China. Usually, if they tried to sway and do more of an indoctrination, they didn't care how much money they had. They said, take it somewhere else. Now it's completely controlled. That indoctrination is paid for and sponsored by China and the, the billionaires of the Wang Company. Incredible. Now, now we're almost out of time here. Last question for you, Trent. Trent Luce on the phone with a sixth-generation rancher and uh, just a, a wealth of knowledge, so appreciate you being here. But when, when we talk about energy, I've seen recently that Biden, right after meeting with China, did decide, and I don't know if these two things are related, but it, it looked like they were because it was right after he met with uh, President Xi over there, that he decided to open up some drilling in the Gulf of Mexico and in the Pacific, which is better than nothing. He's not opening up leases in the Southwest, which he's shut down like crazy. He's not opening up pipelines, but he's at least opening up a little bit of more drilling in the oceans. Do you expect that that's going to have an impact? Is he starting to maybe realize that this stuff's going to hurt him politically, or is it just, is this all a show? Disney is very creative at making you think they care. <laughs> so we're not going to see prices on gas drop anytime soon. They will double the next time you and I talk. Well, then let's talk in about 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> so once once i turn uh you know 50 or 60 we'll we'll have another conversation trent Lou, so appreciate your time so much and just your your knowledge and thanks for being here today my pleasure ryan and don't forget the reason for thanksgiving is to thank god for the opportunity to have this food to feed our family worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole well good thing instacart shoppers are as picky as you are they find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line they are milk expiration date detectives they bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are so let instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date 
Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast baseball is in full swing nba playoffs are heating up and your nfl team is gearing up for training camp listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the odyssey app the biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Wiggins America. On the phone with us is DeRoy Murdoch. Let's talk about Kyle Rittenhouse a little bit. Have you been surprised, as I have, with the coverage of this case, not just before the trial, but now since the trial? It's been surprising. Yeah, it has been. Um, I think that a lot of us learned plenty during the trial, during the testimony. Um, I think a lot of people were surprised to learn that the two people who Kyle uh, Rittenhouse shot and killed in his defense and self-defense uh, were not black but white. A lot of people are like, wow, I thought they were black guys. And all that turns out they're white. Everyone involved in the case was white. Kyle's white. The three people he shot were white. One is alive, two are dead. All, all white people. No black people involved. So that surprised a lot of people. Um, secondly, I heard that he, uh, his mom drove, drove him across state lines so he could you know, engage in vigilante justice in Kenosha. Well, it turns out his mom was fast asleep. Uh, he went on his own. Um, he w- wasn't just going to Kenosha because it seemed like a cool place to be. His dad lives there. Apparently he has aunts and uncles there. Uh, I believe he works as a li- worked as a lifeguard there, so he actually had you know professional and, and family connections with uh, with Kenosha. So he did have you know legitimate reason to be there. Uh, the gun uh, that uh, he used was not something he dra- dra- dragged across state lines. Apparently, the gun was already in Wisconsin. I think at the um, in the gun locker of one of his uh, father of one of his friends or the stepfather of one of his friends. Um, it was in fact legal for a 17 year old to have a gun like that. Um, you may not like that law. People may hate that law, but that's what the law of Wisconsin says. So we learn one thing after another, after another, after another. A lot of it brand new. And you'd think, given all of that, uh, that people would sort of sort of say, "Well, I guess it was self-defense." Uh, these other claims were false. No, you still still see people, including the the head of the uh, Democrat uh, Congressional Campaign Committee, uh, not just some guy muttering on the sidewalk to himself, but the head of the of the House Democrats 
effort to reelect to reelect themselves and get uh, you know, keep control of the House. That guy put out a, a Twitter message saying something about uh, the how and all this is a result of police killing an un- unarmed black man. Um, in fact. Um, uh, Jacob Blake, I believe is his name, the black man who was involved at the beginning of this incident, was an armed black man who police shot who's alive and well. I don't know if he's well. Maybe he's injured, but he's he's not dead. So, again, you've got the left loves to talk about misinformation. That's the key word now, misinformation. You have a lot of misinformation coming from the left, or in my view, outright lies, because they should know better. In fact, they often probably do know better, but say these things anyway. And I think the biggest lie of all is the notion that uh, Kyle Rittenhouse is some sort of a white nationalist or white supremacist. He actually uh, is uh, going to do a, an interview with uh, Tucker Carlson. And uh, in that interview, there was an excerpt of it on Fox News uh, earlier today. He said, uh, um, this case has nothing to do with racism. Quote, I support the BLM movement, unquote. So this is a self-professed BLM supporter, not a white nationalist. So people have been, on the left have been screaming lies since day one of this episode. They still continue to, to scream lies. And you'd think after having learned uh, the truth that they would modify their message, and they don't. They continue to sow lies, discord, tension, and racial animony, uh, acrimony in the society. And that is sick, reprehensible, and disgusting. Absolutely. Dor- Deroy Murdoch on the phone with us, Fox News contributor. It's amazing to me that it seems like the facts of this case, like you just laid out, they don't really matter. What matters is the narrative, and the narrative is that he's a white supremacist. So let's find some angle to make sure that we can call him that. And, and the more they do that, it seems like there are people in the middle who may not be paying attention to every news story that happens every day like we do. But this one maybe broke through because it was it, it was the news for probably a week and a half, two weeks. So. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the facts of the case have kind of come out and everybody had their preconceived notions. And the more the people yell white supremacy about this and the facts come out, like you said, these are all white people. So I don't know how it's white supremacy. It, it seems like people are waking up to the fact that it's actually not about race. It's about destroying the system that we have in place in the United States. Yeah, I think that uh, the more that these people hang on to this, uh, like trying to ride a you know ride a dead horse across the finish line, uh, you know the more they beat the dead horse and the, the horse just sits there and doesn't move, um, the more ridiculous they look. I mean, you'd think at some point they'd say, all right, well, I guess I guess we'll give we'll give, a, give up on this and go find another, you know, another plaything, uh, but they don't. And the more they do it, the more people realize, okay, what you're seeing right now is garbage. Um, they lose credibility. They look idiotic, and then people think, well, are they just dumb? Or are they, in fact, evil people who are trying as best they can to divide the country and make us hate each other? And I think that becomes increasingly clear, increasingly irrefutable, and uh, and increasingly menacing. And I think it's very clear that a lot of people on the left, starting from Joe Biden on down, Joe Biden said, oh, this man's a white supremacist. He said that last summer without any evidence whatsoever. And having seen everything that went through the, through the trial and the verdict that came through, uh, first issued a statement saying that uh, we should respect the jury's verdict. And then a little bit later on, put out another statement saying the verdict uh, upset him and made him angry. Well, if you think the jury did a proper job, why are you angry about it? That's exactly what they're supposed to do. And um, people on the left, just they just seem hell-bent on making Americans uh, divide each other along racial lines and hate each other. And this is just one more tool for them to do that. And you think seeing the tool doesn't work 
very more, uh, very much anymore. They put it down, and yet they're still waving over their heads as, yeah. as, as energetically as possible. Yeah, on MSNBC, there's been at least at least one case, if not multiple, of the hosts on MSNBC still after the verdict came out calling him a murderer. You can't you can't do that legally. So, do you think that he's got a case? to sue some of these media organizations, both from what they were reporting before the trial and especially after? And do you, do you think that he will? Uh, he certainly can. I really hope he does. Um, I told someone the other day, we were talking about this, and I, I said, we both said we hope at the end of this process, Conrad uh, Rittenhouse has either his own tropical island or at least the biggest mansion in Kenosha, one or the other. Uh, I think given a lot of things that were said about him before the trial, where he was called a white supremacist, he was called a, a mass shooter, all these sorts of things, again, without evidence, uh, that all fell apart. And as you say, even after the trial, after a jury uh, acquitted him on all charges, to turn around and then call somebody a murderer is pure defamation, pure slander, and uh, and he's not a public figure and a public official or a celebrity. If he were, he it, it's harder to um, uh, win defamation cases in, in those sorts of instances. But if he's a private citizen, nobody knows, and you say this sort of stuff, the bar of the the standard of proof is much lower, and I think this young man, if he wants to get the same lawyer, for example, who uh, who sued CNN on behalf of Nick Sandman, uh, the uh, young man at the in the Covington, uh, Kentucky case, which you may recall, um, I think he'll end up with probably hundreds of millions of dollars in his pocket and deserve to. And then I, what I hope happens, I tend to think it won't, but what I hope does happen is these media organizations will get messages from on high, from the CFO's office and others, saying, excuse me, you guys are costing us a lot of money. You need to cool it. You need to shut up. You need to report the facts. Stop engaging in rampant speculation, especially in incredibly volatile cases uh, that lead people to go out in the streets and march and burn things and kill people. Um, you know, there's, There needs to be an effort on the part of the media to be responsible, report the facts, and not gin up the flames of racial hatred, which only lead to things like arson, the destruction of cities, and the, the killing of human beings. You know what's been remarkable to me, DeRoy, is to see, and this is kind of a, a weird turn here, but but reports that places like Brazil, media in Brazil and media in Norway had been reporting that the people who, who died in Kenosha were shot were black. And mm-hmm. they were just parroting what all of you, the United States media had been saying. And what shocked me as an American citizen is to look around the world and see that we've got, what, maybe five or six publications, CNN, uh, New York Times, Washington Post, you know, a few places like that, who pretty much are dictating what the news is, not just to the United States, but to the whole world. And that's frightening. It is terrifying, and, and you mentioned that I, I try not to use their name. That uh, publication in Manhattan, the so-called paper of record, uh, you know, they could write on the front page, uh, "Sun rises in the west and sets in the east," and you'd see newsrooms all around the world, all around the country, and all around the world put out headlines saying, "Sun rises in the west, sets in the east," uh, and yeah, they set the tone not just in the United States but overseas. And these guys uh, got it wrong early. They repeated their lies. And as you say, the lies got picked up unwittingly by, you know, if you're a newspaper editor in Sao Paulo, Brazil, you're not following this case very carefully. You figure, okay, the so-called paper record in America's got it right. So you tell your Brazilians that this young man shot a couple of black guys, which is not what happened. And it goes to show how I I think Mark Twain said something like, uh, 
uh, a lie can put its boots on. A lie can get all the way around the world before the truth puts its, boot, its boots on. Yeah. I think that's what he said. Yeah. Uh, son of Missouri, your state, as a matter of fact. Right. And this is, boy, this is true now more than ever before when, when the lie is spread literally at the speed of light uh, all around the world instantly. Yeah, and it's it's almost frightening to think. You know, I started reflecting on wow, if all if if places all over the world are reporting on on Kenosha on Kyle Rittenhouse, you know, this is not a story that really this a Second Amendment story has almost no impact on what is happening in Norway and Brazil. That the way the United States sets the tone for everything, especially in the COVID era. You know, if we had handled COVID differently, I would expect that the rest of the world would be handling it differently, but we set the tone. It it really surprised me to see that. All the more reason for our public officials and our celebrities and our media figures to act responsibly because the impact of their words and their actions, their deeds, echo not just from Manhattan to Malibu, but all the way to uh, Malaysia and, and Myanmar and Montevideo, Uruguay. Uh, Mozambique, and they should think about these things, but they don't. They just blurt out the first thing that comes to their minds, which is racism, 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 white nationalism, white supremacy, and they just scream these incredibly volatile and incendiary comments without a modicum of thought about what the repercussions are and whether what they're saying is true or false. And, and you'd think after after screwing this up and after screwing up the Covington uh, um, case with uh, Nick Sandman and those other young men staying from the Lincoln Memorial, uh, the um, UVA so-called rape case, the uh, Duke lacrosse case, uh, all these other cases where it's, there's, oh, obviously it's racism, clearly racism. And it turns out, nope, race wasn't involved. It wasn't a racist thing. You got this wrong over and over and over. And they still keep repeating the same nonsense. And it seems like they never, ever learn. It's astonishing that these adults almost all of them with college degrees, law degrees, MBAs, what have you, uh, just continue to act, act like five- and six-year-old juveniles repeating gossip on a, on a schoolyard, um, uh, you know, schoolyard during, during, uh, interme- during uh, uh, recess than as adults who actually ought to think, you know, count to 10 before they open their mouths. Yeah, and on an international scale. That's, that's what frightens Absolutely. me about it. DeRoy, thank you so much for your time. I know you're on a tight schedule today, so thanks for working us in. Appreciate it. You bet. Good to talk to you. Thanks very much. Happy Thanksgiving. Look, I respect you too much to just come on here and talk about my website, WigginsAmerica.com. Talk about how there are articles there all the time that maybe slip through the cracks. That's why we have that there, so that you can check it out and see if there's anything that you've been missing on your phone, WigginsAmerica.com. But I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't mention that here on my show because that's not what this is about. I also would never mention my book, my novel, It's not just a book. I mean, it's a really good novel. It's been rated really well by readers on Amazon and Goodreads. It's called The Life of Human. I would not do that. I wouldn't come on here and mention that because I respect you too much to do that. My name is Ryan Wiggins. This is Wiggins America. And speaking of great Christmas gift ideas, (laughs) did did we say that? Did he? I don't know. Um, (laughs) Go get a MyPillow. That's what I'm supposed to say, right? No, I don't know. Um, I I get nothing out of this. Mike Lindell is one of those guys that just fascinates me. This little side story. Back when I was producing the Weekend Report, which didn't air at this time. It aired later on Saturdays. I didn't talk a lot on that show, so you may have not even known when Tony Colombo was here and he was hosting that show. I would say things once in a while, but not a lot. But I was the producer of that show for a while. And one of the biggest guests that I landed when I was producing that show 
was Mike Lindell. And this was before Mike Lindell was Mike Lindell now. Okay, this was when he was just the My Pillow guy. And he had an interesting story about coming to Christ and kicking cocaine. And it was great. It was actually a terrific interview. I wish you could find it. Actually, I'll try to find it. And if I can, I'll air parts of that back uh, sometime coming up soon. But between now and then, uh, I just wanted to talk about this guy because, as you know, I am really interested in election issues. <clears throat> I don't. <clears throat> I don't know that there's a week that goes by that we don't on Wiggins America in this two hours at some point talk about election anomalies or outright issues with votes from 2020. And some people say, Ryan, you should move on. And I say to those people, you should move on. You you do it. (laughs) I'm not going to. I want to get to the bottom of that stuff. And I'm not I'm just going to keep talking about it until we find out because there's a lot. Here's the problem. If the the general media had been slightly inquisitive, I would have just said, "Oh, interesting. Let's let's watch this play out." But they haven't been like with anything. They don't care. They have an agenda and say so they don't actually care about journalism. They want to just bury it. There's a lot of issues that never got discussed or vetted. So I feel responsible to talk about those things perpetually until they actually get vetted. And the problem is the more you look into them, the more there are problems. So anyway, that brings me to Mike Lindell. I've set up kind of my personal beliefs and my personal understanding. I don't know what to do with him. I really don't. When I say that, there are probably people who go, oh, Ryan, you should have cut that guy off long ago. He's nuts. And other people go, no, that guy's the savior of the United States. You can't, you got to listen to him. I'm telling you the truth. I've looked into his documentaries and some of his symposium stuff. It's all over the map. There are real issues that he brings up, and then there are also a bunch of just ridiculous garbage that he brings up. So I really don't know what to do with the guy. But the reason I even bring this up, and again, there are certain issues within conservative media, conservative talk, that some people won't touch. Mike Lindell tends to be one of those because he's polarizing. He doesn't unite us. (laughs) He divides us. Some people think he's nuts. Some people think he's great, like I just said. But that's a reason why a lot of times people won't touch him is because they know they're going to lose half their audience. Well, sorry, I'm not not here for that. I just want to talk about what you're talking about, what everybody's thinking, and give you my opinions, and you can take it or leave it. But with him, the reason I bring him up is because he had said, this was probably a week ago now, that he was go- that his cases were going to go before the Supreme Court. Well, first of all, that was poorly phrased because what he meant was, and what got repeated was not this, but what he meant was he was going to file something with the Supreme Court. Well, that <laughs> there's a lot of people that file a lot of things with the Supreme Court. It doesn't mean it gets heard. He was implying that well, this was it. This is what I've, I've been telling you about. It's going to happen on Tuesday. Well, that was Tuesday. And he said there was at least six state attorney generals that were going to sign on board to make this a Supreme Court case. If that happened, he said up to 30 again. But it was all hype because as of Tuesday, he did not file a dang thing. And so you can only cry wolf so many times before people like me who are willing to listen to you. 
and willing to take you on the merit of the evidence you're presenting, which again is all over the place. There are only so many times that you can do that before people who are even, if you're not in your corner, willing to be in your corner, just throw up their hands and go, okay, dude, get, get with the program, do your business, love that you're a conservative, love that you're a patriot. Love that you're even standing up to the man. You know, you're, you're standing up for things you believe. I love that. But when you hype that you're going to take a court to a, a case to the Supreme Court, and the way he was talking about it literally was, we're arguing our case before the Supreme Court this Tuesday. And then you don't even file that day, and you have zero attorney generals on board, it makes you look bad. Your thoughts, I'd love to hear them. Tell me how I'm wrong, either right or left or middle or whatever, however you want to categorize it. Tell me how I'm wrong. At Radio Wiggins on Twitter, uh, Facebook, my name on there is Ryan Wiggins. That's easy to remember. (laughs) Uh, You can message me on either one of those because I'd love to know what your thoughts are. But also, if you don't have those things, you hate those things, I get it. I don't like uh, what Facebook and Twitter do either. I like aspects of the way they do their business, but I don't like their censorship. Uh, If you want to avoid those things entirely, you can find me on WigginsAmerica.com and contact me there. And let me know, too. Love getting messages from you. And thanks for listening. I am very thankful this morning, as I hope that, uh, you know, our country is. Thanksgiving is one of the few times that I get to sit under the, the... the matriarch of our family, my grandma, and listen to her say a blessing over all of us. That's just a neat moment that I share, you know, pretty much every Thanksgiving because it's one of the things that I look forward to on Thanksgiving is getting a blessing from my grandma. Um, <clears throat> love my family. Love that uh, I'm getting to spend it with my son this weekend. So we're, we're going to be heading off to a soccer tournament in Florida for a little part of this weekend. And so I'm just sharing that with you to say that I am thankful. I am thankful to God. I am thankful for Christ, I am thankful for this country, and I am thankful to be able to do what I do here on Saturday mornings and throughout the week on the Annie Fry Show and elsewhere. And so, trying not to use the word too many times, but thank you for being here. I got a little thing here that I recorded with my kids that, just humor me for a minute, I think it's kind of cute. Here you go. Wow, Wiggins America. All right, we've got some pretty excited kids here. Now, uh, both of them are my boys, and unfortunately, their sister couldn't be here today. But uh, it's it's just after Thanksgiving, but it's not December yet, which means that it's the holiday season. So we're going to talk about two different holidays here, guys. Let's go with Sinjin first. I'll ask you, what's your favorite part of Thanksgiving? My favorite part of Thanksgiving is when you get to eat, is when you get to eat all the food. All right. And what are we doing this weekend? We're playing soccer? I'm going to the Nationals and going to Disney World cuz I'm the be- I'm the third best team in the country. <laughs> He's struggling a bit with a cold. Um yeah, we're going to go down to Florida because we made Nationals, so that's very exciting. Now, River is, now he, Sinjin's seven, River is four. River, what is your favorite part of Thanksgiving? Um, I like when you eat food and when you do other stuff. Oh, yeah? Other stuff like what? Like play. Oh, okay. All right. Now, now we're, we're going into Christmas, so I'll ask you the same question about Christmas. 
and you guys, I, I promised I promised the people that you'd bring the cute. So say something that is <clears throat> genuine to you, but keep in mind that I promised people that this would be cute. So Sinjin, first, what's your favorite part of Christmas? My favorite part of Christmas is when is um, when you I get to go to my cousin's house because I have a lot of cousins and they all live in a bunch of different houses so I get to go to lots of different houses and get more presents than other people <laughs> everything's about competition with Sinjin who's seven now River who's four what's your favorite part of Christmas I like when uh, you um What's your favorite uh, part of Christmas? I don't know. Well, what do you like about it? I like him getting presents and opening them. Yeah. Do you like giving presents too? Yeah. What did you get me this year? Uh, I don't know. Oh. <laughs> a present. Oh, a present. Oh, that's good. That's what I was hoping to get. All right. Thank you, guys. Hopefully, we can get your sister in here sometime soon. Maybe we'll do a Christmas episode, too, uh, since we're closer to Thanksgiving right now. Maybe we'll do that after Christmas or near Christmas. All right, thanks for tuning in this week. Wiggins America will be back next week. Same bat time, same bat location here on 97.1 FM Talk. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.